Today's episode, Pan de Peace. Or uh, Bread of Spices. Welcome. I'm Bruce Weinstein. I'm the chef in Bruce and Mark. Hey there, and I'm Mark Scarborough. I'm the writer. I may be the chef, but today I'm getting out of the kitchen. Because I've got a secret. As a writer, I haven't cooked a thing in years. That's about to change. Mark's headed into the kitchen. Remember, he's a writer, and he gets easily distracted, usually by bourbon. Hey, watch it. I'm doing the cooking. And I'm going to help you out. And I'm going to guide him, and I'm going to give him tips, and I'm going to judge him. And so after 25 books, he can finally say, Hey, I f***ing made that. So we're making this amazing pan de peas or spiced fruit and nut bread because we had weekend guests. We did have weekend guests. I, when we first moved to the country, we moved 10 years ago, right, from Manhattan. Yeah, no, we went from the middle of Manhattan to the middle of nowhere. And we have a backyard, but it abuts 650 private acres of woods and we can't see another house. Mass. So we have a lot of guests. In fact, the first year we were here, we had weekend guests every weekend for the first it was, seven months. It was crazy. It was like running a and b I, I got, got so tired uh, of changing sheets and making waffles. You got tired of changing sheets. Yeah, Mark does the laundry. Yeah, I, I think I got, I got tired, tired of watching you change the sheets and... <laughs> Making waffles. People from the cities love to come to the country. And as we say, we really live in the country. I mean, we live in moose in the backyard, bear in the driveway kind of country. So uh, <laughs> so we had some guests up a few weeks ago. And they said they were going to stop and pick up some cheeses for a dessert. And I right. said, well, then I have to make this fabulous French pan de piece to have with the cheeses. Which is spice bread, as I said. With fruit nuts. And as, as I got... As I got more and more lubricated with wine over the course of the weekend, I remember I kept calling it pan despice. Yes, yeah, it's pan despice. Somehow I got S's where they should pan pieces or something. I got them everywhere. And this is think. usually a bread that a lot of people just make at Christmas, but we love it all year round, especially with cheeses. And it takes two-step process to get this bread started. You're going to have your dry ingredients and your wet ingredients, but they're a little different than you might expect. So the okay. first thing is the dry ingredients, your your dried fruit and your nuts. So we should say that that the dried fruit and the nuts we're using uh, is kind of unique to this recipe, right? And if you want to know the proportions, you can see them on our website, bruceandmark.com. But, yeah, you uh, see the whole recipe there, so you don't have to take notes here. Right, you don't have to take your notes. And we're, we're just kind of kind of blow through what these ingredients are because Bruce has them all out here on the counter for me to put in the food processor. So where do I start? Well, you start with the roasted skinned hazelnuts. And if you're lucky enough to find them roasted and skinned, buy them. Otherwise, you got to put the hazelnuts on a baking sheet uh, in a 350 degree oven for uh, about 10 minutes. Minutes and then rub them between a towel and then I didn't off even know the they I didn't even know they sold roasted and skinned hazelnuts until Bruce showed them to me in the store once. So yep. so we use that and we're also using walnut pieces. Yep, so we are a combination of these two nuts. We're, and then for the dried fruit, we're using a combination of dried figs and I like these white Greek figs. They're my favorites for this, or the white Turkish figs. Oh. And we're using some chopped dates and you could you know spend a lot of money on those medjool dates, which are great, but you don't have to. You could use not those little bits of bacon. Baking dates the that are all dried dates. up. Oh, well, the yeah, sugar's yeah. all on the outside because yeah, yeah. they're old and hard enough. Yeah, yeah. You want to get the pitted dates um, in the baking section, and you want to use raisins. It doesn't matter okay. whether you like golden ones I or dark ones. I have to say ones. something about the fruit. So let me say something about the dried fruit because I think it's important to this recipe. The fruit, dried fruit is not an eternal product, right? You can't keep it around your house all for until your grandchildren graduate from college. Mm. It has a shelf life and dried fruit should be, right? It should be moist and pliable and it should be fragrant. It, it should have definitely an aroma, right? Yeah, the word dry and dry fruit is a little misleading. 
It's dried fruit, but it's not dry fruit. Right. There should still be some moisture left in the fruit. And there should certainly be no fuzzy mold oh, on the fruit. Oh, dear Lord. And the, it, should, it shouldn't be chips of grossness. It should be... <laughs> It should be, again, moist, fragrant. It should smell like what it is. And, of course, those figs that we're using, we've had to take the stems yep. off of them. Otherwise, you'll have little hard bits and those in there. White, those white figs, the stems are kind of buried way yeah, down mushed in. in them. Yeah, they're sort of inverted. And then we're going to put some flavoring in here. We're going to put two tablespoons of some orange zest and also some grated lemon zest. And so that is just going to get pulsed. So Mark's going to cover the food processor. And he's just going to pulse this a few times. Right. It's really easy to turn this into a uh, into a paste. Oh, right? no, no, no. It's real easy to make some kind of dried fruit spread for bread. Which but- is actually delicious, but you want to keep these in <laughs> chunks. Because when we actually slice through this pente piece, I want to see pieces of hazelnut and walnut and even little bits of fig. So you don't want to make this very fine. I, I, I'm sorry. That's pans des pieces or How something. How much have you too? had to drink this not, afternoon? Not enough yet. So that's the first <laughs> that part is. of this whole thing. And I, I should say something about this bread because of the way it goes with cheese. This bread was brilliant, especially with the stronger, stinkier cheeses our guests brought, like the blue cheese and those kind of cheeses. I thought it was absolutely brilliant because I, I was taking the blue cheese which we had left out on the counter all afternoon and i was spreading it like butter on the bread and then eating it oh it was so delicious yeah i also love some really hard cheese with this i mean i like to eat this with with parmigiano reggiano really good age stuff that has a little bit of stink to it and that goes so nicely with this bread but the funny thing about this bread when we get to the liquid ingredients to show you is that you're gonna think it's not gonna work right we have our dry ingredients of nuts and fruit and now Mark is going to start the wet ingredients. Okay, so the wet ingredients are this. I've got a saucepan here, and I'm going to add a cup of honey, and then I'm going to add three quarters of a cup of granulated white sugar, and then I'm going to put in, so Bruce has sitting out there on the counter, two tablespoons of dark rum. I love dark rum, such as, because I like to type it, it's such as Myers's. 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 I mean, you <laughs> if you were to use like gold rum or aged rum, it's a waste, because that flavor isn't right. really going to come through. Right. But the Myers's rum is going to really give you a nice flavor that cuts through. So Mark's got a flame under there, and we're going to bring that to a boil. And once that is at a boil, we've got our both parts ready, and we're going to make the bread. Okay, so I guess we're ready to go now for the next part. So what do I do next? So you're going to empty all that stuff from the food processor that chopped up and into this big bowl. This requires a rubber spatula. Yeah, don't use your fingers. There's or a your blade. Tongue. There's a Don't use your <laughs> that tongue. That would be a very long tongue. <laughs> <laughs> the, the blade is in the bottom Gross. of the food processor. Be careful. And now into that, you're going to stir it up with four teaspoons of baking soda and some ground cinnamon and some ground cloves and some dried ginger and a salt. How do you know that I don't have alien DNA? How do you know I can't? I've seen your tongue. <laughs> All right. I could be on one of those shows you watch. Those, <laughs> I catch Bruce upstairs watching sci-fi crap on his <laughs> his PC during the day. I mean, he's, 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 Falling he's, skies. He's I'm in the almost at the end of uh, season five. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, help me. Anyway. So that's all stirred up. So now pour that boiling syrup on top. Okay, so I'm going to pour this boiling syrup on top of this yep. dried fruit, yep. and I'm going to stir it Yep, stir it together. Well. And, and now set your timer, because you're going to let okay. this sit for five minutes. Why? Because we're going to let that syrup soak in and soften that dried fruit up and soften the nuts 
and just all meld its delicious flavors. Okay, and this bread has got no yeast. Mm-mm. It's got no complicated French fussiness. No. I'm not having to debone. Notice it has no fat. There's I, no butter. There's no oil. True. And there are no eggs. I, I, but I don't understand why I don't have to debone a chicken or <laughs> to make the bread. Spatchcock <laughs> something to make this bread. I mean, this is actually really straightforward for this. Incredibly dense. It is dense. It is very dense. Because it has also, not only does it have no yeast, it has n- n- just basically that baking soda is the only leavening. And we're kind of counteracting it by putting the boiling water on it at this point in the Now, stage. before anyone starts saying, but wait a second, dried fruit and nuts and boiling sugar syrup does not make bread. We are going on our next step to add another dry ingredient that comes in, which is what you'd expect flour but first this has to sit for five minutes okay so we said it has no fat but that's a little bit of a lie because there is one place where there's fat and that's we have to butter or oil the inside of a five by nine inch loaf pan why you why do you always say that i have to butter the inside don't i what what am i gonna do butter the outside (laughs) okay you know why i say that is making fun of me because We have actually received emails from people who say that they couldn't hang on to the pan because it fell on the floor after they buttered it. And after some prodding, I discovered that this poor person had buttered the inside and the outside of their pan, the whole thing. Then you don't deserve (laughs) to have pan de peace. So I now say... Butter the inside of a, it reminds me of the old story that Barbara Kofke used to tell that she finally had to write what drain the pasta in a colander in the Set sink in the sink because somebody wrote her and said but the water went all over the cabinet. I'm surprised we don't say take the pan out of the oven with pot holders. Oh, someone's going to reach in it's true. and just grab it and blame us. Well, you told me to take it out of the oven. Okay, so I buttered or oiled the inside, <laughs> not the outside, but the inside of a nine by five inch. Mark loaf buttered it because he loves butter oh. so much. If it was left to me, I would have used baking spray. Butter but, is a beverage so is baking spray (laughs) all right so now i've got three cups of flour that i sifted Uh, and i sifted it so that'll be light and not clump up and now we are going now wait before i got here you put these ingredients out and you sifted it so how did you sift this i just put it in a big old strainer and i just fine mesh yeah fine mesh strainer no not a colander it has to be like a fine mesh strainer and then i put that into the bowl and now that is getting mixed in and this batter is really thick this is like thick, thick brownie it batter. It is really it's amazing. Thick. Okay. And so we're supposed to set this aside for a couple minutes, right? Yes. Once you get that in there, you let it set aside. And that's to let the flour absorb all those flavors and all the liquid as well. Okay. So um, Alice Medrick, I think it is, has this uh, dictum in recipe writing that you're always supposed to reveal how you dip flour. Isn't it Alice Medrick who does this? Yeah. And you're supposed to, that she believes that every food writer should reveal their technique because there are many different techniques for dipping flour and they mean different things. Listen, if it were up to me as the writer, every recipe would be about weight and I would give all flour in grams and all sugar in grams, but that's not how we do it in the United States. So how do you dip flour? How do you dip up your three cups of flour? When I dip flour, I dip my measuring cup into my pot of flour until it's heaped up, but I do not press it against the side of the bag. I don't 
pack it down and compact, just dip in, and then I scrape it off with a knife. If you were to pack it along the side of the bag, you're going to get more flour compacted and you'll have more flour than I do. I think this is really crucial. And so in our cookbooks now, ever since Alice pointed this out in her own, I now always write somewhere in the cookbook about how Bruce dips flour because it's just crucial to the success of the recipe. Even given that information that Mark puts in the books, chances are you are not going to get exactly the same weight of flour in my recipe or anyone else's, because if we take 10 experienced cooks right here and we say, all right, everyone dip up a cup of flour, we're going to get 10 different weights because right. that's just the way flour is. But in our recipes and in this recipe, what you're talking about is dipping the cup in, pulling it up without compacting it right. against the side, and then scraping off the top. Mm-hmm. That's and it. And putting that. And then that went into the strainer, and then I strained it into a bowl, which sifted it. Okay. So now... I think uh, we're ready. I we think are... we've run our mouths enough <laughs> that we're just about ready. So this for goes it. in the oven now, and it's going to go for about an hour. And amazingly, without eggs, without yeast, this thing rises. It gets golden brown. It gets a crack along the middle, just like any quick bread does. It's fantastic. Wow. So we do that. We're going to cool it a few minutes yeah. in its pan once it's out later. Um, we're going to unmold it and cool it to ra- room temperature. And then... We're going to wrap it in plastic wrap and store it in the fridge for two or three days. Why is that? It just, there's something about these kinds of spice breads that improve on sitting. I find this is even better a week later, um, but at least two days. And it just, they slice better and they taste better and they get denser and the flavor's better. So, so we're going to go away for two days, but we're we'll actually coming back <laughs> in about, oh, two seconds, thanks to editing. <laughs> Tasting and judgment. Well, I don't really (laughs) fear this because we worked on this together and I didn't really do much except just dump ingredients together. So, Mm, I love this stuff. It does taste like Christmas a little bit. Wow. No, it tastes like Noel. Mm. I think that if you are having friends over and you're going to do a cheese tasting or you're going to have a cheese course or you're going to have cheese... Even before dinner, this stuff is... Wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. Who has cheese before dinner? uh, Most people. Most people who aren't snotty food writers have cheese (laughs) before dinner. We're the snotty food writers who have it after. But... Yeah, the best dessert you can do is put out some cheeses, um, slice this bread up. You can toast it or not toast it. Put Mm. out some... No, don't toast it with the cheese. Put out some fresh figs. Put out some dried figs with it. Put a little pot of honey with it. Wait until the next morning. Oh, and, and then, then toast it. Toast it, toast the it and then put mm. a little Parmesan on it. Oh, that's heaven. I, I I was eating it toasted the next morning with just butter, and it was pretty fine. But again, man, that softened blue cheese just spread spread like butter on the bread. It is kind of amazing that this whole thing works, with, as you said, without eggs. I mean, we did put baking soda in it, but again, we kind of counteracted that by putting hot ingredients on top of baking soda we made the baking soda fizz so a little bit got some air in it there but uh it's a minimal amount of rising it's really dense this bread is is heavy and dense but it's really fine i it is good i you think it freeze well right oh this freezes fantastically you can you can also, if you want, bake this in smaller loaf pans and make like four small loaves out of this. They'll take quicker to bake, so start te- checking them at about 30 minutes. But okay, Mark, what did you learn today? Uh, well, uh, I, I learned that, I don't know, that Panda Peace only has one S sound in it. Um, <laughs> that... <laughs> that it could be Christmas any time of the year. Oh, well, that's sweet, especially coming from the Jew. 
This recipe for pan de pis can be found on our website, bruceandmark.com. For more recipes like this one, and some more complicated and some way simpler, check us out every Friday on this podcast, Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And to hear culinary myths debunked, check out the short version of Cooking with Bruce and Mark every Tuesday. So, watch this, make this, listen to this, pan de peace. It is the finest bread that ever was made to go with cheese of any sort.